And if you guys got a Bible, I want you to go to Matthew chapter 17. <clears throat> Matthew 17. Last week, if you were here, whoo, I preached on um, the lesson of King Asa. Raise your hand if you were here last week, a bunch of you. King Asa. Um, I think it was a good word, and the reason I think it was a good word is because it comes right out of the Bible. And uh, if you didn't hear it, I really encourage you to listen to it. Um, basically, the gist of it is, don't trust in mankind, but trust in God fully. The Bible says in Jeremiah, cursed is the man, cursed is the person who trusts in man, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. We talked about King Asa and how in the beginning he was attacked by armies and then he prayed and he sought God and God gave him deliverance from a million people. And then 30-something years later, he got in his habitual role as king. Things got pretty practical for him. And when an army came, as an older king, Instead of crying out to God, he went to another king for help. And the prophet came to him and said, because you did this, you're going to have a lot of issues. Because you trusted in man rather than in God, you're going to have a lot of issues. And then it says, and Asa means doctor, the word, his name. And then his, he gets sick with a foot disease. Remember this? And um, <clears throat> prophet Isaiah came to him and says, you're... You're, uh, no, I'm sorry, I was thinking of, I was thinking of um, Hezekiah. I threw Hezekiah in there too, just as a second story. But Asa didn't seek the Lord, and it says that he only sought the physicians. Key word is only. He only sought the physicians, and he didn't cry out to God. And it specifically says that in the book of Chronicles. And he had it for three years, and then as he died. Um, so the story of King Asa is this lesson that we pursue God, we seek God, that God gives us doctors, he gives us policemen, he gives us all kinds, he gives us military to protect us, but our faith isn't in any of these natural things. It's not in how many nukes America has for our protection. Our trust is in God, yes? Okay, so that was last week. At the end of last week, we talked a little bit I couldn't help myself, but we talked a little bit about transformation, and today I want to preach, the title is Be Transformed, Be Transformed, and um, this, this story that we're going to share, actually this first one is just an example, but the words and the scriptures that we're going to use have really impacted my life. You know, as a Christian, you get saved, you get brought into the family, you get adopted in, you get born again, you get grafted in, you get renewed, you become a new creation. You're not like striving to be that. Does that make sense? Not like I'm like, I gotta graft myself into the vine. I gotta make myself a part of God's family. No, believing in Jesus, he does that work, yes? There's nothing, you, you don't do anything other than say yes to him for that, Right? But as a Christian, there's actually our choice to be transformed. 
It's one thing for you to have the Willy Wonka ticket and you're going to end up in heaven. It's another thing to participate with Christ in this life and to see yourself transform more into the image of God and grow up into the full stature and maturity in the Lord to literally manifest his love more in your life and through your life. We have a role to play in that process. Do we know that? We don't just sit on the couch and watch TV 24-7 and expect all of a sudden we're going to be like walking around like holy saints glowing. You guys get what I'm saying? Like, not, I'm not, also not shaming people. Some people have jobs where they watch shows all the time, so I'm not shaming watching a lot of TV. I'm just saying, I'm saying we have a part to play. The scripture says, be transformed. It's a command. It's a command. We're going to get to it. It's a command for us. It's actually something that we participate in, okay? So before we get into it, though, let's go to Matthew 17. It says, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother. I said Matthew 17, didn't I? Okay. I didn't know if I said John. Peter took, sorry, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and brought them to the top of a very high mountain. He was transformed in front of them. Say transformed. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. How cool is this? Okay, pause. Don't keep reading. Don't keep reading. I know you want to. I know you're tempted. It gets crazier, but that's not the story right now, okay? They're on top of a mountain, and the Bible says that Jesus was transformed. Transformed. His whole being, not just his inside, not just his wonderful soul, perfect soul, Jesus, not just his inner man, his whole being was transformed. Transformed. And it says that he shone, he was shining like the sun. His clothes even had to participate with the transformation. Like, not just his body, and he's still wearing, like, whatever clothes he was wearing, which he was wearing good clothes. It was such good clothes, they had to barter over it when they were crucifying him. They were like, let's gamble for his clothes. But not just his body being transformed, his clothes had to participate. And they started shining white. Isn't that wild? This, this word for transformation is where we get English for metamorphosis, it's metamorpheo in Greek, and this idea is to change your form. Change the form, the being, the essence, to completely change from one form into another, transform. Are we still on the same page? This happened to Jesus. The guy was shining white. This word transform only shows up four times in the Bible, okay? Four times. And twice, it's this story, just in different Gospels. Transformed four times in the Bible. Twice, this story, him shining. And the other two times, it's speaking to us about our current transformation. This transformation isn't like me being shaped and molded 
it's beyond that. It's not just a baby growing up. It's beyond that. It's, <laughs> it's like a caterpillar becoming the butterfly. Yes? Metamorphosis. The crawling thing to flying. I told uh, Amy, it's funny, we were talking on the internet, and, and I said, the other one, you know, you got, a, you got a tadpole, you become a frog. And she said, I'd rather think of myself as more like a butterfly. I said, okay. A tadpole swimming. Swimming. Like a little fish. To hopping. Crawling to flying. It's not mere conforming. It's not mere growing. It's transformation. It's metamorphosis, changing the form. Do you understand, in the end when Christ comes, we will be changed into his image completely, like your body's going to become immortal. But right now in this earth, we participate with the Spirit of God in a process of transformation happening right now? Am I the only one excited about that? Guys, this is actually really fascinating. You're, you're, you're living by the Spirit as a first fruit of something that's going to be fully realized when Christ comes and death's going to be completely wiped out, Right? But right now, in your Bible says that the Spirit gives life to your mortal flesh. That means right now, there's transformation. In another scripture, is you become a partaker of the divine nature in the first John. There's a transformation happening right now, literally in your body. It's not that you have your body here and the Holy Spirit, some figment of your imagination that you just think about and maybe he's there. He is intertwined with every fiber of your being, spirit, soul, body. And as we engage him, he transforms us from the inside out. And you become more and more like him. Okay. This is uh, Romans Chapter 12, verse 2, first half of the verse. The two times we see transformed outside of the story I just read to you where Jesus starts glowing, that same, that same aspect of transformation is now applied to you, okay? You ready for this? Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay? What does this mean? The world acts like the world. Don't be shocked when we're walking around and an unbeliever acts like an unbeliever. Don't, don't be shocked. It's life. Don't be conformed to their patterns, their ways of doing life. The natural thing in the flesh, apart from God, is to start to live a certain way. 
No longer are we quick to forgive. We're slow to forgive. We're not abounding in loving kindness and tender mercies. We're abounding with a lot of judgment. We're not forgetting the trespasses against us. We're keeping a record of wrong. I will never forget this person did this, 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 this few years ago, this person did this to me and I can't. This is the patterns of this world. It's actually contrary to the ways of Christ. Yeah? That's not, you don't need a miraculous transformation to do that. You just need to be conformed to that. You just, and by the way, you can become a Christian, you're a Christian, but whether you like it or not, or whether you know it or not, you're going to go one direction. Your life will go one direction of these. You will either go the path of being transformed into his image, or you will go the path of conforming to this world. It's not, it's not hey, you guys should do this. It's, you're going to do one, so you better choose the better one. I know that's kind of strong, but it's true. You're going to do one. You're either going to be transformed, which is beyond I'm becoming a better person. No, you're going from a caterpillar to a flying butterfly, man. You're going from a larva to flying. You're going, you're going from a tadpole swimming out of the water, breathing air, flying, hopping around. Yeah, this is completely different. You're either going to do that or you're going to live like the world and you're going to conform to them and you're going to learn their practices and do what's natural in your actions. That's what you're going to do. You... In a Christian sense, you're not going to fly by your own efforts. If it was your own efforts, you'd still be crawling around like a caterpillar. But when it goes in the cocoon and it dies, it's entering into the death of Christ and it's living in the reality of the revelation of the Son of God who died for him and her. And when you live from this place, you come out living in a different way than you ever did before. What's the middle part? What's the key? The death and the resurrection. Be transformed. How? By the, it's a command, by the way, be transformed. It's not God transforming you. It's be transformed. That means that the will of God wants to happen in your life, but it needs your, it needs your yes. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What is the renewing of your mind? That's you understanding the gospel. That's you understanding what Christ has done for you. That's you learning. That's you, the Bible says, grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus. That's you understanding how God made you. That's you seeing things how God sees them. That's you perceiving and understanding and questioning how he questions and looking how he looks and acting. That's you literally enjoining yourself with him. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's stepping out of this world box and you trying to be this or that and you joining in the box, the reality of Christ. That God became a man, lived a perfect life, and suffered death, and death couldn't hold him down. The dude resurrected. He overcame all of it, and death was the result of sin. And he who knew no sin became sin, that you might become the righteousness of God. Become the righteousness of God, that you might become. 
become the righteousness of God in him. Yes? When we live out of the reality of God and what he's done, and we were made by him, through him, and for him. And when we live out of the reality of what he has for us, we can participate in the work of the Holy Spirit where he begins to work in the very fiber of every part of your being and you are transformed more into his image from glory to glory. Yes? But we've got to have our minds renewed. It's very important to understand the gospel, to know the word of God, to know what he says, to meditate. I love what Joan said, meditate. The Bible says in Psalms, I meditate upon your word day and night that I might not sin against you. But this concept of, do we know his word? Do we know what he says? Do we know what he's done? Do we, do we know him? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's so important to be around people that love God. It's so important It's so important to open up your Bible and read it. It's so important to have godly conversation. It's so important to think upon what God has said. His word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Without it, you will stumble in darkness. You're either going to conform to the world or be transformed. If we're going to choose the way of transformation, we have to choose the way of choosing renewal of our mind. And we have to engage it. And you know what? You might know a truth and you might know it really well and you might have checked it off your box and go, I got that one. It is continual and consistent in this life to live in that reality. And even if you've gotten it once and understood it once, there's a lot of truths in the Bible That it's not just a one-time check. It's like, no, I didn't just check off that God is my strong tower. It's not like I just knew that and then that's it. When there's a phone going up, Jesus calling. When Christ, it's good. When when Christ is our strong tower, it's not just, oh, I got that point of theology down. Renewing your mind gives you something to live in. That's available to you. As some people would say, how would you ever spend a million dollars in your bank account if you didn't even know you had the bank account to begin with? How could you ever do? You would never know. You could try all you want to spend whatever. You're not going to be able to. You don't even understand that where the card was. You don't even know. You understand? So that transformation, we have to understand with our mind. Otherwise, in your mind, you're going to have certain beliefs and your actually unbelief works against God. And you can actually... For example, you can think of yourself still in Christ like a wicked sinner. And the Bible says, present yourself to God as instruments of righteousness for holiness. If I believe the gospel that his blood paid a price for me and I've been washed and made whiter than snow, was was my righteousness like filthy rags before? Yes, Did I have a crimson stain all over me? Yes. Did he make me white as snow? Yes. Am I holy? Yes. Am I maturing in Christ? Yes. By one sacrifice, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. That was a lot right there. By one sacrifice, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. What does that mean? 
That means you're perfect forever, irregardless of how much and how well you represent Jesus. You're perfect, but you're also being sanctified, meaning you're growing up into his stature. You're growing up to love people better, but you're perfect, yes? Okay, but if I still believe that I'm the old man on the other side of the river of baptism, how can I come unto God to see his holiness manifested in my life? Because if I still view myself as the old man, I'm not believing in the gospel. The Bible says, come boldly before the throne of grace that you might receive help in time of need. How can I come boldly if I'm still the wicked sinner? You're a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. You guys get what I'm saying? Renew your mind. When you start to see according to, that's just one aspect. That's just learning how to live righteously. I'm not even talking about anything else. It's so important. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But we have to be people who dig deep in this well. What have you done for me in Jesus? we got to get a little hungry in it. It brings transformation into the core of who you are. Okay. Number two, 2 Corinthians 3.18. 2 Corinthians 3.18. This is the second place where it's talking to the church about being transformed. This is what it says. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, which is the Spirit. And we all, who with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory. Stop. What he's about to say in terms of transformation is applied to a specific people. Just like the last one, transforming, transformation is applied to those who renew their minds. This transformation is applied to those who contemplate the Lord's glory. And we who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. Contemplate is not something you need a miraculous intervention on your life to do. Contemplation is not a vision. Contemplation is not a trance. Contemplation is not a dream. Contemplation is contemplate. Think about. It's an engagement of prayer. When we pray, we're not sending letters off into the universe hoping it hits the planet that God's on. We're actually temples of the Holy Spirit and he's dwelling in us and we're actually dwelling with him. The Bible says we've been seated with him in heavenly places. Seated where? With him in heavenly places. Is he far off? No. No, he's not. He's very close to you and to me and we're very close to him. It's mind-boggling, very fun. When you pray... Whether you see it or not, you can simply think about the fact that you're seated with him, the glory that Christ has because of his resurrection, and you begin to pray through Jesus, in and through Jesus. Your prayer life, which is relational, contemplating him, 
is transformative. By the way, it says those who with unveiled faces, unveiling, you think of it like a, think of it like a wedding. They were veiled, but then they're unveiled, okay? It's also, you can think of it, if you want to think super old school Jewish, you can think of them veiling Moses and hiding the glory when some of you might not know the story, and I don't have much time to talk about it, but he came down, and after hanging out in the presence of God, he came down shining, and everybody was terrified, so they put a veil over him. But that's not us. Moses saw the backside of Jesus, <laughs> the image of God, the Son of God, the image. God is invisible beyond everything. He's infinite. He's everywhere. Yet his image, the perfect image of God, is what we call he is the son of God. Moses saw his backside. We see him face to face, though dimly like in glass. And in the day when he comes back, we're going to see him as he is, man. It's going to be wow. Talk about transformation at that point. But right now as we're beholding him in prayer and faith, there's a transforming work that happens in us where something supernatural happens to you, where you go from crawling like a caterpillar to flying like a butterfly. It's impossible for you on your own efforts. It's like imagining trying a caterpillar going, we gotta fly, and trying to fly. It's impossible. He's gotta be transformed, right? He's gotta enter into the cocoon, right? He's got to enter into the, the coffin, <laughs> the death of Christ, the reality of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. We have to also commune with him, the living one who died for us and he's resurrected. When we commune with him, he causes us to begin a way of life that's way beyond our efforts. It's a life empowered by the Holy Spirit. I've been thinking a lot about, um, I'm going to go there. I mentioned it a little bit last week, but I can't help myself. I just get so excited about this. I'm geeking out on it recently. Nuclear transmutation. <laughs> Such a big random word. Huh? Nuclear transmutation. Uh, way back in the day, there were these alchemists. where Alchemy is basically like chemistry back then. And they were like, man, we got to figure out how to make silver gold. And there was a big thing about that. It was hundreds of years ago. They never could, obviously, trying to, with chemistry, make silver gold. But what they found out in the early 1900s is, well, there's a thing called nuclear decay. And there's, there's things in nuclear science where you could have a nucleus of an element. You guys know you're made up of a bunch of elements. You're made from dirt, your body. You have a lot of elements in you. Anyways, if you take an element and you took the nucleus, which is the element, and in, a, in like a nuclear facility, there's a nuclear accelerator, and you took protons, and with this accelerator, you push those protons into this nucleus, you know what happens? It becomes a different element. You can create new elements. They've actually created new elements that, didn't, that weren't even on our periodic table kind of thing. They created elements, man-made. Some of them ended up, you can use it for nuclear bombs, not fun. But listen, things, when, when they use an accelerator, it, it can push these 
protons into the nucleus and it can make something new because it has a different amount of protons in it. Are you guys following? One element becomes another element. Silver can become gold, but the power to do it is insane and, you know, a lot of money. Why would we do that? But it's possible. The thing that the alchemy people wanted to do, it's actually possible with nuclear stuff. Okay, this is what I've been thinking about. I'm just so excited about this. Your body is like a, it's like a nuclear facility. Okay? Think about this. Your body's like a nuclear facility. Your accelerator is you revelating on the gospel and you praying and talking to God. The Holy Spirit lives in your house. But if there's no acceleration, you just got whatever nucleus and you got whatever holy other proton and you just got a house. But be transformed. This is you participating with the gospel. This is you praying and talking and hanging out with him. What that does is he transforms the very inside being of who you are and you demonstrate yourself as something different. Are you guys following? <laughs> it's such a random thought, but I've been loving this idea lately, man. I was like, wow. And what greater power, what greater, truly, what greater accelerator is there than prayer? And what greater power is there than the Holy Spirit? But some of us are like, we can be like, a, we're like, I became a temple of God, and we take the, the theology, and we get it all correct. I'm a new creation. You become like this like nuclear house where you're like so much power, good power, by the way, so much power, and he comes to live in our house, we're with him, but we can never, t we might not talk to him, we might not hang out with him, we might not dig into the scriptures, we just said our prayer, and we've got the theology that's there, and we say, well, I'm a new creation, but there's no transformation. There's no transformation that takes place. God forbid that would be us who have received the most precious gift that humanity's ever received, the presence of the living God. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You can, part you can participate with God in such a way. How is it that Jesus is walking down the street and, and a person touches his shirt and he goes, I felt power come out of me. How is it that the apostles and disciples are walking and their shadows touch people and they're healed? How is it that they would touch handkerchiefs and pray over them, pass them out, and people were healed that touched them. It goes a whole other level when you talk about the word and the man who said, if you just say for my child to be healed, it'll happen. That's a whole other level. And he says, I can't even, that's such great faith. How is it that this power in the being of Christ and the disciples Truly, not, not theoretically and not spiritually a river of life flowing out of them where it's just, oh, that's, that's, 
That's beautiful poetry, Jesus. That we'll have a river of living water flowing from us, speaking of the Holy Spirit. That's beautiful poetry. No, it's beyond poetry. It's reality. And it, it manifests farther than the spiritual realm. It manifests into the flesh all around us. How can we grow up into the image of Christ so much that we actually look like Jesus in such a way? Obviously, we're not going to all look like him, you know, the man. By the way, this is a really funny story. Do you guys know that Jesus' half-brother, James, and, and like, you guys got to read the history stuff. It's hilarious. Did you know that he supposedly, in terms of like early church documents, he looked like Jesus, like physically? And people would like want to see him because they'd just be like, I want to see what Jesus looked like. And they would say, listen, after Jesus has gone to resurrect, people get saved and say, if you want to see what Jesus looked like, go look at James. You know, because they, they literally said it's like he's, he was like a twin, like in terms of appearance. He's like an identical twin. And then I was cracking up. I was with Jimmy at the coffee shop and I was thinking of that scripture where it says he had in the prophecies about him, he had no form or comeliness about him, like no physical beauty that people would be so attracted <laughs> And I was just laughing hysterically because I was like, how do you think James feels about that, you know? <laughs> Anyways, we're going to be looking like Jesus, but not necessarily, he, was a, he lived as a man, a specific man, a Jewish man, thousands of years ago. But we walk as he walked. The Bible says, just as he is, so are we on this earth. Your transformation changes you in such a way from love to whatever miracle God wants to manifest, it puts us in a place to manifest the spirit of God in the world like Jesus did. We can actually grow up into his full stature and look more and more like him. When we understand the gospel and we engage him in prayer, And we go through a process with him of transformation. You will learn to fly. That's a little sp spiritual talk, but it's true. You will learn to fly like a butterfly. You will do things you never could do on your own. Ever. I remember praying for a girl who was 98% deaf in one ear. It's pretty exact number, but she said it, I don't know, 98%. And I remember when we were praying, I was contemplating Jesus, and I saw the Lord from heaven reach out and give me an ear. And I took it and put it on her head. Sounds weird, but this is a true story. Guess what? She started to hear. I could not have done that. There ain't no way. By the way, I prayed for a lot of deaf people. I haven't seen everybody. You know what I'm saying? That was crazy. There's a place of connection with God where, where the most wild things you could ever imagine start to happen. You know what's the greatest miracle? Love. That you would lay down your life, not just for those who love you, but for those who don't. Jesus looked at them and said, 
the same works that I do, for all those who believe in my name, by the way, the same works that I do, you will do. And greater works than these, all these miracles will you do. What's greater than raising the dead, cleansing lepers? The dude is doing it all, whether by word or by deed or touching or whatever, he's doing it. And healing everybody, casting out demons, you name it, Jesus is doing it. And he says, greater works than these will you do. Because I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. You're going to become like a mini-me. Where all of you right now, when I'm going to go to the cross, you're all going to hide in a room and be all terrified, sweating. One of you is going to deny me three times, but don't worry, I'll give you mercy, come on back. He says, later on, those people completely change. Peter went from denying him to being crucified himself upside down. You know what I'm saying? Talk about a transformation. They went from hiding to running. When persecution happened and they started to get beat up, they rejoiced and sang songs. You got to go through a transformation to do that. They're put in prison and they don't go, oh man, whoa, my life. They start to sing songs. God busts in like a miracle. The place say their shackles fall off. The guard gets so scared because back in then, if you lose one of the people you're supposed to watch, they kill you. The guard gets so scared that he said, he's so scared he's about to kill himself. He's like, chill, bro. Don't worry. We won't leave. We'll stay here for you. We're not worried so much about getting out. We got your back, buddy. The guy became a Christian, his whole family. You got to be pretty transformed to do something like that. You get what I'm saying? I mean, we got it easy here, obviously. I mean, there's some things we go through as Americans and people and talk and all kinds of stuff. I'm not saying it's all fairy dust and cupcakes, but there is some stuff. But guys, we, we have to go through a transformation. And that is not going to happen unless we participate with God. I'm not saying you're not going to be saved. Yes, if you believe in Jesus, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Good. Guess what? There's more. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by contemplating his glory, by engaging with the presence of God and hanging out with him. You're going to be like the world or you're going to be like Christ. The choice is yours. You will enter the gates, but some will enter as though passing through flames, having nothing but themselves to come in. And some will come with jewels and gems before God. And the Lord will reward them, and more will be given to them. Is this, you guys following what I'm saying right now? I'm saying a lot of Bible verses. I'm just trying to say, hey, you're a Christian. You believe in Jesus. If you don't, you should. God, Jesus is real. Okay. <laughs> but you're a Christian. You've accepted him. Yeah, you're going to heaven. But there's more. And this life, you will be placed in a choice to either be conformed to this world or to be miraculously, supernaturally 
transformed. Notice it says, when you contemplate him, you're transformed from one degree of glory to another degree of glory. I want to tell you that as you engage God, you will manifest his glory in increasing degrees. And some people might not like you for it, but some people will accept Jesus by encountering you. To some, you'll be the smell of death. And to some, you're going to be a life-giving aroma. You are a letter to the world. God forbid we're a nuclear house with all these capabilities, and yet we never have transformation. Guys, are we all still happy? I love you guys so much. Oh, can, oh uh, who was playing the piano again? Piano, 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 piano. Oh, yes. Thank you. Um, that's a good amount of preaching. Father, we just thank you. Thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you that Lord, if you said it, Jesus, or your apostles taught it, we're down for it. And Lord, if you said be transformed, we say yes. And Lord, I pray that we would join you on the process from one degree to another. I pray, Father, that you would cause every one of us to fly like the butterfly in Jesus' name. Though in our flesh, we want to belittle ourselves and just say, no, I'm just a caterpillar. Yes, but there's more. And I pray that for you in Jesus' name. I pray that God's presence wouldn't just be in your house, but that there would be transformation by the Lord, which is the Spirit, it says in 2 Corinthians. That this transformation from glory to glory is by the Lord who is the Spirit as you contemplate his glory. And I pray that for you. I pray for sweet encounters for you with Jesus. Christianity isn't just, I did that one prayer that one time or my parents are Christians and I'm Christian. Or I used to be a little more radical. I used to be a little more zealous. I pray, listen, it's not just your body. You know your emotions change, guys? Have you ever been down all of a sudden you start meditating on God or you get into the revelation of the gospel or you start praying and talking to him and all of a sudden your emotions change? Your, you know your emotions are tied to your biology? All kinds of stuff is changing in there. Can I get the prayer team up here too? I just feel like, Lord, I just thank you. It was interesting that uh, when we were starting the service, I was, there was a handful of people just being touched by the Lord and I just saw a lot of people, there was tears. And I think it was really good. There was a lot of people being touched in various ways. And um, I just think there's a sweetness here. And I think 
I think sometimes when we see the manifestation of tears, it's this, it's truly internal change happening in us. Truly. You ever get a word and you go, should I share that, Jesus? There's a lot of words. In our English, we say repent. Do you guys know we say repent, the word repent? You go, are there multiple words for repent? Oh, we just say repent. In the Greek, there was multiple words for repent. You guys know that? One, one, one was change the way you're thinking. Jimmy had alluded to it. It's metanoia. Like, you know the word paranoia with your thoughts? Well, metanoia means change your thoughts. Meta, like metamorphosis, change your form. Metanoia meant change thoughts. There's another one that said change through regret of repentance, meaning, meaning you felt bad for something you did. That regret, it led to change in you. That's another word. Another one also meant to change as well. There was actually multiple words for repentance. Isn't that wild? Why am I saying that? I'm saying that for the basis of this. If you feel in your life, if there's anybody in here, you felt regret for your past stuff and it's been haunting you. Listen, regret is good in the beginning when you understand you don't want to live that life. But if you continually live in regret, you're probably living in condemnation, guilt and shame. And that's not what Christ has for you. Like if you beat your chest because you're doing bad stuff, good. Cry out to God for mercy and you don't want to do that, amen, yes? But if we're not seeing ourselves and who God made us to be and you're just living in that past person still, you're gonna be living out of a reality that's not for you. We're getting children, I let. Do you guys see what I just said? There might be a couple people in here. If you feel like you've been living in regret, you're constantly thinking about the past. Listen to me, it's okay that you felt the regret. That's good, that means you didn't want that life. The Bible says if you confess your sins to God, He's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Jesus is calling. I don't know who it is, but I love it. Guys, I'm gonna say that last part one more time. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you. And I wanna encourage you, don't live in the cycle of regret forever. Believe that you're forgiven. (laughs) Believe that you're fully cleansed. Yeah? I bless you in Jesus' name. Um, if you guys want to get prayer, I want you to just come up and get prayer. If you need, there's, there's going to be um, tissues up here. I don't know what God's doing today, but there are tissues up here. And then if you're not getting prayer, I just want to encourage you, love one another. Get to know people you don't know. We're not just a church that, you know, hello, goodbye on a Saturday. We're, we're family. And so um, I just want to encourage you to love one another. Amen? Okay.